Thank you, Pastor Fabian. I wondered, you know, your, your lovely daughters are singing at uh, Zion Lutheran this morning. And um, I wondered who was going to come bouncing up here to get it. And here it's Daddy. Thank you. You can see the title of this message. It's called The Double. Not the devil, but the double. Um, and um, I'll just, I'll just, sometimes I, I tell you this so that you can see how God speaks to me. Um, he does it in a lot of different ways, and maybe it's an encouragement for you that God can speak to you in a number of different ways. So, this week, I got a, um, a thank you card, of all things, from one of the pastors in our network who wasn't able to be here during the seminar. And on the cover of the thank you card, it used that scripture that's at the top of the page here, 1 Timothy 5, 17 and 18, which says, Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture says, You will not muzzle the ox that treads out the corn, and the laborer is worthy of his reward. And I thought, well, this is very nice. I, I, I appreciate that. It's, it's so rare in our day to, to get cards in the mail anymore, isn't it? And so I thought about that verse, and I, I was thinking about each of you, um, because that has been really intercession and calling on the Lord and learning deeper things of his word and delving into the Logos and then trying to glean what the Spirit is guiding us into the meat of that Logos to, to pattern in our lives, to feed from, and then to disseminate to others, to feed them. Um, that's really what you've committed your life to, and so many other things. But you've really become, in a lot of ways, those here in this church and, and many others from other locations who've been walking this for a while, you've become elders of that ministry. You, you've become people who represent that. We may not have a, a list of people, okay, you're an elder, you're an elder, you're an elder. Um, but, you know, you're, you're living it. You know, you could see that when people come in here and the, the way that they look to you and to others who are um, positioned in our network when they come together, you know, people search that out, and, and they really do recognize. But see, Paul writes about this, and he, he specifically speaks about the word and doctrine, which is the Logos, and then the way you formulate what the Logos says into a functional measure of, of, um, of teaching and applying. And, and that's, that's something that I really appreciate. Now, it says you rule. Um, this, isn't, this is just the setting for the thing that I said as a gift. So I'm just letting you know. 
uh, you rule well and um, you're counted worthy. What does that mean? Well, you're, you're ruling according to the kalos, the, 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 the tobe of the New Testament, and you're doing it in a proesteme, proesteme kalos. You are functioning in the place God has given you with the resources that he's given you through his cross, both in your own life and in this place, and you're seeking after the tobe. So you rule, that, that is your ruling well in regard to the logos and in regard to that doctrinal flow. I think that's exceptional, isn't it? And, and, and it says you're worthy. Uh, this is axios, which we've studied over and over again. It, you're willing to bear the burden. You're axling, as it were. That, um, that, that moving forward, you're, you're, you're bearing the weight, the weightiness that God gives you. You're not shirking that responsibility. So what the Apostle Paul writes to Timothy here, he says, you, you demonstrated this over and over again. You're not a flash in the pan. You are functioning according to the estimate for your life and uh, for the place God has called you to go. You're, you're proactively pursuing that through the power of the cross. You're not shirking in your responsibility. You are bearing that weight so that the thing can move forward. Your, your car is not going to get very far without your axle. I mean, without the axle, that fancy motor or the plush leather seats or the back adjustment or any other stuff, you're not going anywhere without that axle. And um, you, you've borne the weight of this. And you've, you've done it on the basis of the logos. And you've done it on the basis of, of um, taking that logos understanding, honoring it, revering it. And you, uh, you're disseminating the truths you've learned, always focused on the logos. And I, I thought just from that, and what an appropriate expression, not just for me, but for all of you and for those network um, bastions of faith, saints who keep pressing forward in what God has given us. Because, you know, the Scripture says that the Word is never going to pass away. Not one itty-bitty part of it. It is always going to be alive. It's our Lord. So the, the optimal thing that can be said of you is that you've devoted yourself to the Word and what the Word is sharing for what your life should be. And you, you've accepted it as your responsibility. You're not just flash in the pan. Oh, this is a cool thing. Well, I'm tired of it. Now I'm going to move on. You've said hey, this is what God's called me to be. I'm going to represent this. I'm, uh, whether I have a title by my name or not, I'm, I'm going to represent this. I will be an elder, a pillar in this. And um, I'm not going to shirk that responsibility. I, I just think that's wonderful. You know, if you, looked at, if you looked at commentators to find out what double honor means. Now, you, we know what honor is in the Scripture, Time in the New Testament. It, it's where we get our word time, and the most precious commodity any of you have is time. You don't have that. You can't bank it, as I think Les said last week. No matter how well you take care of yourself, you're on this earth for a limited amount of time. And what you do with your time, that's, that's the most precious commodity you have. But time also means to commit yourself to the long haul of partnering with God 
patiently in regard to what he wants to do. No matter how long it takes, Father, I am with you. I'm not going to give up. And then, of course, we've studied about this. The Old Testament concept of honor is to actually be so committed to a thing that you become imprinted by that to where anybody who sees you recognizes that imprint of God or your mission or hopefully both, and that becomes the signature of what you are. You represent Him. And it's like when uh, uh, the people saw the disciples, they said, you've been with Jesus. Or when they saw Jesus, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That is honor. It's not just bowing and genuflecting before somebody that you think, well, you know, they've sown into my life. I've got to honor them. No, you, you are that. And um, so I would, read, I would read, though, about commentators uh, because I thought if I'm going to I'm going to teach on this. I could give my opinion. I just want to see what some of the ancients say about this. So they all say that double honor means that you're respected and you're paid. That, what, what else would you expect a preacher to say? <laughs> and they all, from Adam Clark on down the line, that's what double honor means. You know, you got to respect them and you got to pay them. Um, but, you know, I thought, Nah, that's too easy. I mean, that, that's, I've been around preachers enough to know that, th th what would you expect them to say? And, and I do agree with that because the next verse says, you know, um, don't muzzle the ox that treads out the corn. The laborer is worthy as reward. Well, that verse definitely speaks about that. But what does double honor mean? And so I started to pray about this yesterday. During our prayer time, I mean, uh, and um, I throughout the day, um, and uh, once again, you get tired of hearing this. It was very early this morning that this, the Lord just started downloading into me um, a really great gift for all of us. Now, why does God do that? You know, most of you know I'm studying a lot. I study all the time. And it would just freak people out, some folks, to say, oh, this is the way I get my messages. Why does God do that? Why does God have me study and then, like, three in the morning, the day I'm supposed to speak on the day of rest? Um, why does he do that? Because of what we're called to do around the world. You know, it's fine if you're teaching here and you've got You've got notice a month before that you're going to teach, and you can start, you can wait till the last minute and then get ready, and then you're, you're ready to go. But when you're out someplace, and you don't know what you're walking into, and at the last minute the Spirit says, okay, look what's going on. You teach on this. That's what we have to do. That's what I have to do. I'm not saying anybody else has to do it, but I know that's what I have to do. So God keeps that musculature growing to where I, I don't plan too much of it in advance because I know that when you're out on the field in battle, you've got to be ready to go. I don't have the latitude to say, well, you know, I didn't have time to prepare about this. So this doesn't really apply to what's here, but this is what I got anyway. So here you go. Um, so anyway, the Lord started talking to me about the double, and, and I'm really amazed by what 
he shared. We're eventually going to get to it. Um, the, uh, when, when I talk about the double, probably all of you would recognize that term in what we would usually couple it with, the law of double issuance. You know, I remember Monica referenced that in it, uh, during seminar. You know, if you see a word repeated twice, uh, a name or a city, that means an intimacy. And that's true. That is so true. And, and, and when we see that, and I'm just saying among us kids, most Christians don't grasp that when they're reading the word. But for all of us, hopefully we can say, hey, Mary, Mary, or Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Immediately the light goes on and we say, this is a term of intimacy. It's not like, well, I'm repeating your name twice because I know you weren't listening the first time. You know, <laughs> I've done that many times in my life. Um, Samuel, Samuel wasn't because, hey, boy, wake up. It was God saying, you are intimately in my plan. You're a child of grace. You were born miraculously. Your mama sacrificed in supplication. I have a role for you. I put you here in this place. You weren't abandoned. You were carefully selected and placed. So Samuel, Samuel, God spoke to him. We know that principle, and what a wonderful thing is to know that. But the double, how, how is that intimacy formed? Is it, does it come from you spending time with him? I think that's what we mostly think. You know, I just want to be so close to you that where your breath starts, it completes in me. That's wonderful. That's, that's Pneumatikos Hallmark card material. But as I studied what the double really meant, and this came straight from the Word, I was shocked, but I was blessed. Because in the New Testament, double honor, um, the double, diplus, is only used two other times. One, it's used, so here is the apex. This is this is what God really wants. One of the other two times was the Pharisees. And when they would go out and teach and make disciples, Jesus said, you make them twice, use this word, a child of hell. <laughs> what a thing for Jesus to say. The other one is about the great whore of Babylon and uh, the city that is representative by the scriptural definition of that. So this word doesn't just mean two times. This word indicates an investment of some sort, whether it's good or bad. Now for us, let's take a step into the Old Testament from which this concept in the New Testament gained its bearing. And this word is... In the, New, in the Old Testament, double is misne, M-I-S-N-E-H. Got it there. It, mean, it does mean second. It does mean double. It does mean a copy, like when Joshua took the children of Israel between Ebal and Gerizim, this mountain of cursing, mountain of blessing. He sat down there and he wrote out a copy, the double of the Ten Commandments. 
That's interesting. That, that's in, maybe Indiana Jones will go searching for that at some point. I don't know. Because um, we know where the, where the two stones are. They're, they're in, a, in a crate in Washington, D.C. somewhere. Of course, I don't know what he's talking about. We'll get out and see a movie every now and then. Um, no, maybe not today. Just look at it on Netflix. But, but that word gains its bearing, though, on something that people sacrifice. Because if you look at misne, it can mean a sharpening. It can mean a continuing taunt or ridicule. It, from this word, or in association, is the word sane, hate, to, which means to separate or exclude. Remember the, the barren women who were, when God saw that they were hated, um, it was used in the intertestamental period when the Jews recognized that basically the people who were the children of Abraham were straying far from what it meant to be Jewish so that they put together the written of the Tanakh and then they created the Mishnah, which is from this word double. You've, you've heard that word, and that, that means to repeat. That means an oral group. And I thought, that's very interesting, because these words um, that are in the Scripture predated the intertestamental period. You realize that. So what, what we talked about with ministering the word and doctrine, that's basically what the Jewish leaders in the intertestamental period um, said, the Tanakh and the, the Mishnah. But the Mishnah from Misneh meant, hey, you, you are who you are. You're, you're called to be God's people and you're always, you always should feel separate. You always should be willing to walk in faith, no matter what the people around you are saying about you. No matter how they may try to persecute you, you just keep following me, and that will keep you in the walk of faith. That's like what was told in, in, in the Old Testament throughout the generations, I'm not going to remove them, the Amalekites, because I want you to remember what it means to believe me and to stand and see my deliverance. So you need to be standing on guard, particularly about these Amalekite people, because they're crafty and they strike when you don't expect them. You, you have to be on guard. But this is that identity you see, when Israel got in trouble was when they became so blessed and they failed to remember who they were and that they needed to come out from among and be separate. God says, okay, when, you, when I'm giving you the inheritance, the land flowing with milk and honey, you go in there and you drive out all these people. Don't intermarry with them. You stand for me. Well, as soon as they got their land, they started looking at how... Woo, I saw this woman down at the well, and she wasn't from John 4. She was another kind of woman. I'm going to marry her. Remember that? Solomon 
becomes blessed. Here's the temple. Boy, the, the glory is still radiating off. And people are hearing, man, this guy's silver is as plentiful as the stones of the ground, which the Bible says during Solomon's day. And um, he's got so much gold, so many treasures. People are coming from all over the place to, to see his wisdom and to see the beauties of who he is. And yes, like the Queen of Sheba, they should recognize the, the, the majesty of what God established in worshiping him. But boy, that success bred defeat for him. So this issue of the double with... Um, really being separated and being willing to be taunted and ridiculed, not, not welcoming it, but um, this, this willingness is, is going to hone you. It's, it's going to identify you. And it seems to me that everybody that God used was put in that position. And they either became bitter or they processed it and became a tree of righteousness. So the patriarchs, that's why we find that the women there, Sarah and Rachel, they, they had that shame, as it were. They were willing to embrace that. I'm not saying it was easy. They tried every way they could to get out of it. But when God saw that, it wasn't that he was being mean to them. It's just the price of walking with the Lord. You know, we read about Jesus. He was despised and rejected of man, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. We hid our faces from him. We wonder, oh, that's awful. He had the sin of the world. Yeah, well, that's true. But he was also the son of God. He was patterning what it meant to be a son. And whether we have to go and hang on a cross or not, which we don't have to, thank God, with that, that was once was enough, the perfect one. Still that issue of being despised and rejected because you're walking with God. What did Jesus say? Hey, they hated me, and guess what, boys and girls? They're going to hate you. Oh, we don't like that. We want to be acceptable. We, we want to be loved by everybody, spoken well of philanthropic in every way to where people will recognize us as a people of clout. Well, yeah, we want to we be good people, but we will never separate ourselves from this aspect of Mishnah. And when you say, no matter what, Father, I'm going to serve you, get ready. Not that we go looking for it. People are going to call you nuts they're going to say, oh, you be careful when you go around Grandma. She, she loves you, but she does weird stuff. Anybody of you heard that? <laughs> I bet you have. Uh, my own family. You know, I remember we, we came and we were ministering at, at Zach's parents' church. It was one of the first times we went. One of my, one of my brothers lived not far over in, in Melbourne, I think. And he told, I know this from my niece's. He said, no, I don't know what's going on with your uncle, but we're going to go in there. If anything gets weird, we're leaving. And we're, we're, I think we got weird. Um, but, you know, <laughs> it's just crazy. You have district officials stand up here and a former pastor saying, you're not scriptural. These people are, 
They're just off. They're, they're wheels off. So you, it's not that you go looking for it. It's hard to, to accept that as a person. But when you finally do on behalf of the Lord, on behalf of his mission, then that double becomes something that is precious to God. And then he can say to you, less, less. This is the price for the double issuance. And, and I, I, I mentioned this the other day. Um, you know, it's funny because I never do this because I don't really like to see myself. And honestly, I don't know how you tolerate it. But I was, I, on the way here today, uh, and this has never happened before, I felt that the Father said, you need to listen to the message you preached leading into the seminar. So I did. And this is like part two of that. And I preached that message obediently on behalf of the seminar. But I look back on it now to think that God, this is part two really. And God is really speaking who you are. And, and everything during the week, I don't need to rehash it. It's on the archive. You can listen to it again. But Rama and Rachel weeping and all of these things, it, it has to do with being willing to accept the shame, as it were, of being God's child, which is, sounds like a, it's a misnomer. It's an oxymoron. It makes no sense. What an honor to be that. But in the world, you're in the world, but not of the world. So you are separated. Come you out from among them and be you separate, says the Lord. There's a measure of ostracism and shame that's there. And that's sane. That's, that's what hatred means in the Old Testament in that regard. And it cascades into this same word, family. They all rode in the car together coming into the Old Testament of, of the double. And, and, and even the scarlet cloth, you know, the scarlet cloth that Rahab put down and saved her. And though your sins are as scarlet, they're made white as snow. The scarlet cloth, and I referenced this two weeks ago, comes from being dipped over and over again to where that cloth is changed. That's, that's the word here, and it's the same word for blood. So when I see the blood, I will pass over you. What does that mean? These people are separated to me. They're hated. They're mocked, as it were. They're a peculiar people, but they embrace that because of me. And when I see that, <laughs> they're protected. Woe be to everybody else. That sounds awful. What if the smiling Jesus with his hands crossed at the rock in the Garden of Gethsemane? We've seen the painting, but there it is. And so though your sins were scarlet, you once were separated from me. Now you're separated to me through the blood. Isn't that interesting? Same word, same word family, the blood, being hated, being separated, enduring shame. So why why was in the Garden of Eden they were naked and unashamed? Because that nakedness 
was that every day you're willing to be clothed upon by the Lord. And you were separated. You were separated unto him, and there was nobody around that was disputing that. So there really wasn't shame, but yet on the other hand, you were separated. There was nobody there to mock you. Even the serpent wasn't mocking. He was mocking God. He was just looking for somebody to, like Eve, and then subsequently Adam to say, hey, you know, you got a point there. He's holding out on me. It's interesting, isn't it? So let's look at some of the places where this word and this concept is used, and it has to do with the double. The first issuance is one of Rachel's children, Joseph. Genesis 41, verses 42, 44. Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand. First issuance, put it on Joseph's hand and arrayed him in vestures of fine linen, put a gold chain about his neck and made him to ride in the second chariot. Here, this word, this same word, would represent somebody that was separate from Pharaoh, but also separate from the rest of the nation and is there in the retinue of Pharaoh with Pharaoh's ring and Pharaoh's linen. Second, first issuance. Do you think about a guy that was rejected? Gosh, Joseph was a poster boy for rejection, wasn't he? Here he is, a miracle baby. His mom was hated. Here he comes, boom. Favored of his daddy. Coat of many colors. He's... Uh, He's getting dreams and visions. His brothers detest him for many reasons. And um, they separate him into a hole. <laughs> and then they sell him. That's real separation. Then they tell their dad, that boy's dead. That's separation. He goes into Egypt. He's a slave. That's separation. Yet there he is, trusting God in that prison. He gets sprung out of there. Well, if, you know, that you read the story. It's his life. Every corner is shame and separation. He goes and he serves. He's falsely accused, thrown back into slammer. That's separation. Think about that. All the other magicians and the soothsayers, those Chaldeans, they all have their opinions on what these dreams and vision mean, but it kind of, they kind of shrink up when, when he, they're told, you better come through with the goods or you're dead. Joseph gives it. That's separation. It's a separation to stand and say, hey, I could tell you what this dream means. God told me. When everybody else, all the slick people, all the professional ministers, they're up there and they don't have a clue have you felt any of those ways? Have you had any of that separation? I know I have, and I know you have, because I know you. We don't go looking for it, but that's the double. And what's the reward? He, from that placement, is put in this unique position. And look when it's next used. What's the second issuance of it? Genesis 43. Well, his brothers come down. Because the drought is so bad, uh, Jacob springs some dough, and they come down to get some, some food. And we know that story. I don't need to regale it, but here it is in Genesis 43, verse 15. Um, the men took a present. They took the 
double money, this is the same word in their hand, and Benjamin, and rose up and went down to Egypt and stood before Joseph. What a story. Same word. It's a, it, it, this word represented something. Because it, it, it wasn't just, okay, you had 10, here's 20. It, it had this bearing of you've got, you're separated. In some degree, there's a measure of hat in hand, shame. And it's, it's just, it's amazing. Well, let's look at another one. On the, the day before the Sabbath, Genesis 16, verse 22, came to pass that on the sixth day they gathered twice as much bread. This is our word. Two omers for one man. I like plenty of omers. And, and all the rulers of the congregation came and told Moses. Now, what is that? That's a separation. That Sabbath day was separated unto the Lord. That day of the seventh as sonship. You know, you, you're going to fellowship with me. You're going to be separate from, separate from the other things that I do during the week. And it's going to be a point of obedience. And you've got to separate yourselves to me. I'm going to provide for you, but you're before me. And remember when the people complained, you know, we're tired of this manna business. You know, we, we, we want something else to eat. It's miraculous. It's angel bread. But that miracle done worn off. We want some more. So God sends a bunch of quail. And what did God say? I think this is just so poetically true. You're going to have so much quail that it's going to come out your nose. That's kind of gross, isn't it? I think only Rick could eat that much. But, you know, no, I don't think it would come out his nose. <laughs> he wouldn't give it up. <laughs> but, you know, it, it, what does the nose represent in the Scripture? It means intimacy. It means being before God. It really is a term that means intimacy. So you've rejected my intimacy. You want the things of the world. Well, you're going to get it, and it's going to come out the place that you should be spending with me. I just think this is interesting, this separation. Let's look at this one. This, I almost led with this because this is just great, but there's three other great ones here. Isaiah 61, one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture, this whole thing. But in verse 7 uh, through 9, for your shame... You will have double. For confusion, which basically means ridicule, you'll rejoice in your portion. For your shame, you'll have double. You know, in our society today, and even a lot of Christian circles, they love to talk about shame. Oh, that's a big stem winder. You know why? It's almost like something, you've you got to get rid of that. You don't, you don't embrace that. You just be who you are because God loves you no matter what in the world you're doing. So you just get rid of shame. Well, if I'm going to exchange this for the double, I ain't getting rid of it. I mean, I want the double, don't you? I'm willing to embrace who God has made me to be, and I'm not going to be I'm not going to be embarrassed by it. Oh, sometimes it hurts. Yeah, sometimes you don't understand why you're, you're feeling that rejection. 
And, and I, I've dealt with that recently, and I know it's, it's been a big thing, and I think, I think that it's because of where we are and because of what God's giving us. A closer walk of intimacy with Him that would entail a deeper measure of authority and representation of the honor of serving with Him. And I, we don't go out looking for shame. We've got to, we're silly with it as it is. I, I, do you realize that? Do you realize that you're walking in, this sounds awful, but it's so intimate, in the shame of the Lord? The shame of walking with Him no matter what it looks like? The shame that says, God is my source, and I'm not here to please you, I'm here to please Him. For your shame, you'll have double. And you, you should read the rest of that passage. For your confusion, the ridicule, it reminds me of Hannah with Penina, which we talked about two weeks ago. And even the measure of scarlet, I, I, didn't, I didn't grasp why. And I'm still thinking we need to hear more, but, and God will show it. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess the double. There is, there is an authority and a clout that God is releasing through this willingness to walk in intimacy before Him. But not just in intimacy. To be intimate with Him to where you say, though you slay me, yet will I trust you. God looks at that. He cherishes that. That's the greatest romantic stance you can take with the Lord. Not how sweet your words are, or the hours you spent, the tears you shed, those are all great. But are you willing to be counted, as the Apostle Paul said, as fools, but for Christ's sake? Everlasting joy shall be unto you, for I, the Lord, love judgment. I hate, there's, a, there's Sane, robbery for burnt offering. What is that? Sometimes we hear in our chorus array, somebody will sing, Oh, Lord, love judgment. Well, what is judgment? It's mishpat, which is basically the purpose of God, which is basically communicated through the Logos. God loves that. If you're just running around looking for ramas or the hot thing, you know, that's, that's the fragrance off the bread in the oven. But God loves the bread in the oven, and He likes the heat of the fire. God loves the devotion to what He's wanted from the foundation of the world. And somebody that will align themselves with that and make that their mission, regardless of what's going on around, God loves that. And what does He He separates Himself from those who turn that into some other scheme, whatever their motive might be. I, uh, I sometimes feel that... I, see, I, a lot of times I'll talk about the general church not necessarily as a criticism, but to just remind you that you ain't that. You understand that? And I think sometimes we... The lines get blurred because we walk in this so much that 
I think we're, we, we, we lose the, we lose the awe of it. But I've been around enough preachers. I, I've sat through Bible college and seminary and heard what we're supposed to do when we preach and the hermeneutics and the study. And it's always find what the people need and feed them. React and bring it in such a way that people will be entertained. And they'll want to come back. That's, 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 well, I don't want to preach on that because I'll lose people. I've heard that. God loves the mishpat. He, and he loves people that'll say it regardless of what the people in the back row think. And there's nobody back there. That's why I could say that today. Um, he loves it. He, he breathes hard after it. And he hates a perversion of it because I want to direct work in truth and I will make an everlasting covenant with them and their seed shall be known among the Gentiles, their offspring among the people. All that see them shall acknowledge them that they are the seed which the Lord has blessed. The seed. That's you for your shame. You have the double. The double. You know, the most important part about the double for me is what we've said all along. That God would favor us to the degree that he would come near and speak to us. That's the most precious of all. But when you then from that, which we know happens, are, are said, Here's this principle. Now you go out and do it. You go out and teach it. You go out and stand for that no matter what people say about it. Woo, that's where it gets hard. We have had to cross that hurdle before. You know, I've said this a million times. When we were all touched and I came back as the pastor of this congregation, I, I thought, why wouldn't my people want this? Boy, did I have another thing coming. Some of you, you got touched by the Lord. You were in high and holy places. Well, we got to keep you away from everybody because that is sane. We're going to separate you because what would the visitors think? I understand that. I understand that from a practical standpoint. But we're, we're in the impractical. We're in the eternal practical. So, for your shame, you'll have double. For confusion, you're going you're gonna to gain a portion that you're going to rejoice in. It's not that you go looking for it. But you need to recognize this is what God does. Now, in a proactive way, in eternity, how is this going to happen? Well, we'll be naked and unashamed. We'll be set apart by Him to be covered by Him to represent what He wants and there won't be anybody around to be flinging these ridicules and accusations. We're in a war zone still. But now, this is a badge of honor. And when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. You string this down here. Rahab, you put yourself at risk by hiding my spies and preserving them. When everything else falls, when I see that, you're going to be saved. This is the word for shame. 
And the blood of Christ, yes, it was the life flow. Of course it was. But what did it represent for Jesus? Despised and rejected, slain because God came and he was rejected. That blood testifies separation, but unto God. Do you see the power in the blood? Will we sprinkle the blood of Jesus at this communion? What is that saying? Power is in this, but every place that blood touches is separated unto God. And the world may not like it. The demons will not like it. People may rise up and say, we don't like it. But God, through the blood of his Son, loves it. Wow. What a thing. What a thing. I was talking to one of the pastors from Brazil, and he was telling about how that they embraced proskuneo prayer in their church and how that some in the church don't really want to have anything to do with it. And he said that a woman who was well-respected in the church came up and said, we just won't do this. We don't see how we can stay here with this. And, of course, he was heartbroken by that. Who wants to hear that? Especially when you say, here it is in the Word. He said that one day, soon after, God spoke to this woman and said, you get on your face and you get on it right now. You drop right now. And she eventually did. And she said when she did, the Spirit of the Lord came on her. And when she got up from that floor, she recognized that she had been wrong. Now, that doesn't happen with everybody. We know that. But I, I just think that's interesting. Are you willing to, to do these things that God requires Regardless of what anybody might think, as long as you're functioning in the Logos, this is in the Word. Look at Job. Where is he? Job 42.10. The Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Also, the Lord gave Job twice. There's our Word. As much as he had before. You want to talk about somebody that was shamed. If Joseph was a poster child for shame, Job starred in the billion-dollar movie made about it. I mean, you talk about, have you considered my servant Job? He's set apart from everybody else on the face of the earth. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. And what was the thing that, when it was all said and done, that the Bible says about him? God gave Job twice, but he uses this word. All that shame, all that standing on behalf of God, in God's timing, God had been with him all that time. What things do we read about in Job? My goodness. a treatise on Behemoth and Leviathan, a story about God visiting in the night, what it feels like. I mean, 
Stuff that you really don't read anywhere else. But the life story of Job and the fact that it's not just twice as much, it was the shame that he endured on behalf of his relationship with God and is willing to stand firm no matter, why don't you just curse God and die, said his wife. And on and on. You want to talk about being separated under the Lord. Boy, oh boy. But God saw it, and God rewarded him. In the last passage, Zechariah 9, this is 12. I said, prisoners of hope who carry out the 10-4. Remember the 10-4 campaign? Remember coming just a few verses later, uh, the corner, the nail, the battle bow, the mighty men, the corner is the pinna, but that representation of what God's ways, God's face is doing, how do you get to that? Turn you unto the stronghold, you prisoners of hope. Prisoners of hope. Um, prisoners of hope. <laughs> Even to this day do I declare that I will render double unto you. Double unto you. And then it goes on down and it's talking about how God's going to use them in power. And then it goes right into the corner, the nail, the battle bow, the mighty men. So those that read the first passage we looked at from that wonderful expression, that card that was sent to me, the elders that rule well, be counted worthy, boom, 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 three powerful pneumonicos terms of double honor, another term, but the double. And the fact that it's only represented, first of all, by the fledgling church, secondly, by people that were from the law who were damning people, and by the world system of Babylon. Those three, that's the only times those, this word is used. So you have to be talking about a spiritual concept which is reiterated through the things we just looked at in the, New, in the Old Testament. Paul, being a, a master of Old Testament study, knew that. So double honor doesn't just mean you're paid well and you're respected. Got some flashy robes and a nice car to drive. That's not the double honor. Yeah, you've got you to feed the ox that's shredding the corn. You've got to do that. I'm thankful. But this is about the double. Timothy, when you go preaching the Logos as a pneumatikos first fruits pastor of this early church, people are going to despise you. Paul warned him about a number of them because of your age, because of the fact that you, from time to time, don't bear well physically with the stresses. Take a little wine for your stomach's sake. Must have been Welch's grape juice. Uh, you know, you're, you're going to have to embrace this. But just know that those who stand with you. Now, the disciples said, you serve tables. We don't want to get in the middle of these widows that were arguing between the Hebrews and the Gentiles. We're going to minister to the Lord and minister his word. That's great. But what do you do after that is set? You, you keep searching the word through prayer, and you develop doctrine. 
You develop marching orders, things that should be repeated, things that should be said over and over again, which is the mission. Why is this day different than all the others? And we're working on that. That's a Rama principle. We're working on how to get to put into the hands of people who come into this walk in Brazil. What are the major things that we believe? Here is a, a five-minute primer on each of these so that everybody, no matter what kind of level of education you have or attention span, you'll know these things, and they need to be repeated and acted upon. That's what you're being asked to do now. So for the double, the shame, and, and we come to the communion time today, and um, we don't have the bitter sop up here. I didn't ask for it today. But bitterness is a part of this. And I think one of the ways that God addresses what we're doing, if, if the blood actually represents shame, which it does, same word, um, how you process that is, is important because the enemy will attack that. You know, we studied about the tree. The tree processes that, those impurities, that carbon uh, dioxide, that, that all those things that the leaves bring in, it processes it. And, and from that bitterness then becomes a sweetness. How you process the shame, how you process the blood, how you process the, the, the representative identity and responsibility of the word. That's going to guarantee whether you're going to go forward and be intimate with God or not, or just a, a poser. I, I love this. It's such, it's such a deep principle, but it's obviously here in the Word. And I, I just, I'm, you know, like when, when, the, when the prophet is told, okay, eat this, eat this Word, eat this Word, and in your belly it's going to be bitter. What's that? Well, it's what we've been talking about. You don't just go looking for pneumatikos roll aids. You process it. Are you willing to take responsibility for what this word means? For what you're going to have to stand for with the word? How you're going to have to process that bitterness and turn it into a point of intimacy with God and power with Him? That's the double issuance. And only God could lead us this way. You know, we, we've tried our best to embrace the intimacy with the Lord. And as is so often the case, you do and then you teach. It's only after you've walked it faithfully that God can then draw you near and say, okay, look at what this really means. I've got more to show you. And there'll be more that we don't see right now. But this is a step forward in the double issuance. This is a step forward from God. So what is it then? We, we understand more about what this process is. We understand more about what it means to serve God and why he looks at somebody. Oh, what a terrible thing. God shut up her womb. Why would God do that? See, God's just mean. He's just awful. But when he saw that she was hated, Sane, we don't know the moment or the time when 
any of those dear women understood God's promised this to me, to my husband. I know this is the identity. Um, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to accept it before God. When God sees that what he's really doing is accepted, it wasn't a horrible thing he was doing. He was, if, if the plan of God has shut it up, then the plan of God is going to open it. You, the, the, the key to it is understanding what it means to really serve God and to be intimate with Him as father and child, father and trusted son. And you recognize what it means. Whether you understand it all or not, you recognize the meaning, and though it feels awful, Yet will you trust him. Your devotion is such that you won't let go. That's what rises before God. And when God sees that, in his time, the double portion comes. In his time, have you considered my servant Job? Yeah, watch what happens with him now. When he's come through to where I have been shown to be the light of his life, I am rewarding him according to that double. Joseph, look where he is now. One of, still to this day, one of the most revered civilizations in all of human history. Joseph became really the ruler of the land. Why? Because of the identity of being God's person. So that's the double. So when we come to this table of communion today, um, the blood represents it in no uncertain terms. The word is there, which we build it. God loves this, and he, he detests those who twist it, and God, God resists those who try to use it, manipulate it for it, their own devices. And his blood is a testament of what Jesus sacrificed, but what we also should be, but the bitterness. Um, yeah, the enemy targets those places. We need God to touch them and activate them. But maybe today, just maybe, with this word, We're not just looking for God to protect this place. We're not just looking for God to defend this place. We're not looking for God to just inoculate us so that we can get through it. But maybe we press in a bit deeper to him in that place, to God in that place. And we recognize that it's a signature of honor to serve God in that place. And so... Can we, can, we, can we come before this table today? It's like a promotion. I feel that this was a promotion, which is why I said it was a gift. Any understanding of the Scripture to me is a gift. But it's a timely gift, and it's for you. It's for all of us. We are going forth in a renewed strength, but an enhanced authority that God is releasing to you today.
So, the double. Father, bless this time. Bless the, the, those minstrels of your heart that are going to be singing and worshiping and uh, leading us into a place of commune with you. And what you want to do through this time, do it. I accept, Father, what it is that you're giving to us today. We love you and we thank you for it. 